But I want to take you to 1 John chapter 4. We're going to read uh, verses 7 and 8. And then we're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. So, starting in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 13, starting in verse number 1. If I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I'm reading from the ESV, by the way, (laughs) have not love, I'm a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And just that first part of verse number eight, love never ends. Hallelujah. Today, I want to talk to you about this thing called love. This thing called love. Why don't you put your Bibles down and one more time, lift a hand to the Lord and just let's pray. Lord Jesus, I'm asking for your spirit of freedom to be here, that we hear from you, and not just hear from you, but apply your word to our lives, Lord. I'm asking for you to speak to me and change me and do something in me so that I can be more like you. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, amen. Hallelujah. You can be seated. I ask you this question, what is love? So what do you do when you have a question? You turn to the most reputable of sources, Google. And that's what I did. I went to Google. And Google told me love is an intense feeling of deep affection. That seems to fit. Some of you are smarter than me, and you know that Google, you probably shouldn't trust everything on Google. So you went to Webster's, and it says it is to be pleased with something, to regard with affection on account of some qualities which excite pleasing sensations of desire or gratification. That's not enough for me. I got to get a third source. So I went to experts in love, 15-year-olds. And they told me it's when you're passionate and affectionate towards someone or something, a deep feeling you can get. Another said love is like having a song that two people just naturally know all the words to. And my personal favorite definition of love is it's melted cheese on tortilla chips. And I think at some level, all these definitions are right. Yet, at the same time, we native English speakers are limited by our own vocabulary. We say we love hot dogs. We love Chinese food. 
We love sunny days. We love our kids. We love our spouse. We, we love videos of people slipping on the ice and having a concussion. We love. We use that same word, love, when we say we love God. As I said, our vocabulary, it's limited. In our human minds, we use this word to express our delight in inanimate objects or romantic feelings for someone. This word of love is used so frequently that we sometimes forget the value of that word love. And part of the problem is that we approach Scripture with that same idea and that same concept of love. We use 1 Corinthians 13 that we read. This is a very popular portion of Scripture because we use it at weddings and we see it in movies and you hear about it um, in, in books and all to describe what love is to a point that even the Scripture itself is a cliché. And due to its overuse, we look at the word love as though it is a nothing word. Love you. There's no emotion behind it. There's nothing real behind it. The word love here in both 1 John and in 1 Corinthians is that word agape. And I know 99% of you have at least heard that word once. And honestly, even in the Christian church, agape is starting to lose its meaning. Strong defines it as a feeling of affection or benevolence. It's a love that shows kindness, that shows goodness to others. And it's a no wonder that the KJ retranslators, in, instead of using love, they would use the word charity many times. Because agape is a love that invests into others. Thus, we know this scripture isn't about romance. It's not even about the love of a parent to a child. It's a love, though, that serves. It's a love for other people. This love spoken isn't earthly. It doesn't fade because one has been done wrong. But it's a love that endures hardships. This love mentioned in Scripture isn't what a man and woman feel, but it is spiritual. And this is God's love. A person who shows this love doesn't expect to see it returned. This is a love that you give and you will never see a reward for. It's a love for the saints, a love for the lost, a love for others. It's a mindset that permeates all actions, all ideas. Not romantic, but godly. And so this is the love that our God had when he delivered Israel from Egypt and he took them into the wilderness. This is the love that Hannah experienced when she is barren and she has shame from that. And then she receives the promise of Samuel. This is the love that God made when he came to this earth. That, that, that moment that we have just celebrated just two days ago. And he comes to this earth in flesh and he becomes the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. That is the love. And so we have first John, not sorry, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, 
that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This is that love. This is agape. And despite everything that comes against us in the, this world, all the attacks of the enemy, all the anxiety, all the fear, all the depression, this is the love that our God extends to me daily. And he extends it to you daily. Over and over. Knowing that you have the option to not even choose him today. And he puts himself on the line knowing that there will be some that will never choose him. He loved you so much that he decided, I'm willing to sacrifice for those who will, not might, not could, but will betray me. He looked at mankind and said, I will be the sacrifice for them. And he made this first step of love with no guarantee. And i got to be honest, you are looking to, at a very calculated man. I make a plan. When I'm going home Monday, everything is laid out. I calculate the cost of gas. I calculate my time. I calculate the miles. And I do that with relationships. Is it really worth getting close to this person and showing love? Because that person, not might, but will hurt me. But God did not make this calculation. Without hesitation, he enacts his plan. He knew the hearts of men. He knows the odds. And still he's willing. So Jesus makes the first step. Hoping that we make the second. This love that Paul refers to in 1 Corinthians isn't like our modern use of the word love. Rather, it is closer to the scripture, Exodus 21, verse 5 through 6. It says, but if a, saint, a slave plainly says, I love my master, my wife, my children, I will not go free. Then this master shall bring him to God. He shall, shall bring him to the door or doorpost, and his master shall bore a hole in his ear. Though through, sorry, through his ear with an awl and he shall be his slave forever. It's a love that says, no matter if I'm a slave the rest of my life, I will serve the Lord. And this is the the love God wants us to have for him. It's a love that God wants from us. Agape love is not a normal love. This love is a commitment. Even under the worst possible circumstances, there is love. It is love that gives one life for another, even if it's never appreciated. And this is what God wants from you. He wants that connection between him and his creation. So we read in Romans 5, hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. For when we were yet without strength, when we couldn't do it, when we had no possible way of extending love to God in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Because let's be honest, none of you in this room could show love, the love that he desired, if he didn't first make that move toward you to save you and to help you. Unless you're really awesome, but I'm not. 
I struggle with that. I get distracted by my own life. I don't, I gotta be honest, there are moments in my life I don't want to love God. Because it requires a part of me that I don't want to give. God wants us to have relationship with him. He wants me to give my life unto him. He wants me to serve him with everything in me, with my whole mind and my entire being. And he wants me to show it, God, they love to him in the way he showed it to me. And if your heart is still beating in your chest, and no matter what has happened yesterday, no matter the decisions you've made and the choices of yesterday, you have entered into a place where God is reaching for you to serve him with your entire being. And I think every one of us can get behind that, that God loves me, right? Does God love you? Does God love you? Do you love God? But we'd be foolish to think agape love stopped there. Because let's be honest, it's easy to love someone who loves me. I'm really good at loving Angela because she loves me. I'm not really good at loving my sister because she's a pain. I'm being honest. I'm I'm being too mean, I'm sorry. But you see what I'm saying. It's one thing to love someone who loves me. It's a total another thing to love a person who doesn't love me at all. The intention of agape love is for it to eventually be served unto others. So when we read love is patient, love is kind, he's not referring just to the love that you receive, but the love we are to give. This is the agape love. We love to reference in songs. We love to name our coffee shops after agape. We love to hear about it in books or hear from it in preaching messages, but applying it, not so much. But this is the agape love that we are meant to give. And why do we not like to apply it? Because it's hard. I don't like my life being hard. And I'd be really shocked if you woke up this morning and was like, Lord, I want my life to be so difficult today. Because I don't want that. But this is the love our Savior had for me when he came to this earth and sacrificed our, his sin, for our sins. And this is the love that we must have for those that we are to be a witness to. It's a true Christian love. That love that you heard about on Facebook, you need to show the love of God to people. It means putting up with that voice. It's a love that says, I will take a bullet for you and then actually take the bullet for them. I asked my pastor one time, because if, if you've ever heard my pastor, he does, says some of the craziest things. He got up on his head the other Sunday just to invite people. To, no, literally, he stood on his head to invite people to church. He's crazy, and I asked him how he gets away with that. 
And he says, they need to know you can take a bullet for them. And then you actually at times have to take the bullet for them. Love. And please don't misunderstand me. I know I'm throwing this word over and over, agape, love, agape, love. I'm not trying to act like this is an easy thing for us to do. It's hard for us humans to show agape love. Because every one of us here know the pain that we have felt at the hands of others. And I'm not talking about Jimmy stole my toy. I'm talking about betrayal. The pain that comes from a person that you were close to turning their back on you. Someone close to you robbing you of your joy. And unfortunately, most of the time, it's not a random person at Walmart. We can get mad at them and then forgive them. The problem is that sometimes it's someone sitting three seats down from me in the church. And I get angry and hurt. Not because they made fun of me, but because they did something in my life that has shaken it to its core. And now I have this pain and this, and this sorrow and this, this fear on my back. Not because I didn't have faith in God, but because a man decided to hurt me. Sometimes it's our own brothers and sisters in Christ that bring the most pain to our life. And it's hard. In no way is this easy for us. But this is the request of our Lord, that we show that love. I'm going to read eight verses to you real quick in Philippians. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, in other words, if you're getting anything from him, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy. Fulfill your, you fulfill the joy of the Lord, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, letting nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem the other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others who being in the form of God, oh, sorry, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in the fashion of man, as a man, in other words, he felt the pain, he felt the hurt, he felt that, that punch to the gut when someone lies to your face and you know they're lying. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. What I've read to you is a request from your God saying if you have ever felt or experienced or been touched by my love, by the love of the Lord, then you in turn must show and let that love that was in him be in you toward others. God was the great creator and thought it nothing to be a servant and die. And many times I think about him dying for Peter's sins, but I have to remember that he does this for me. And I think that when Jesus is on this earth, he sees this man named Judas. He calls Judas. 
He knows where this is going to go. He knows what Judas is going to do. He sees the struggles in his heart, and still he gives him authority to do the miracles. Jesus knew he would betray him, and yet he still called him. He still washed his feet, and he still died for his sins. And if Jesus can do that for Judas, and if Jesus can do that for me, then how much more must I give it unto someone else? First John 4 and 9 says, This was manifested, the love of God toward us, because God has sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So God stepped in and showed his love through his sacrifice, showed what he was willing to do for me, and therefore I must be willing to take the same steps for those that would hurt me. Not because... I'm a preacher, not because I'm behind the pulpit and I have a mic in my hand or because I can sing and I can't. Not because I have a lot of money, not because I have some special calling, not because I've been overseas, not because my dad is a McNeely, not because my grandpa has a love for God, not because of something special, but for the simple fact that he gave his love to me. And I'm telling you today that you have that same responsibility in you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, call And I stand before God saying morning after morning, service after service, telling him, I love you. I want a relationship with you. I need you, God. But no matter how many times I cry out those words for the love of God to fully take root in me, for it to fully be completed in me, I have to give it to others. As I said, this is the hard part. 1 John 4 and 12 said, no man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Some translations do say completed. His love cannot be completed in me until I give it not just to those I enjoy being around, but to those who irk me, who have hurt me over and over. I know what it's like to take a pain to the heart. I was eight years old when my dad got his first church. And we go to Colorado, and, and we, there's a young man in our youth group who comes in and and souls all seeds of chaos. Who brings in pain. Pain that I deal with. Even 20 years later. I'm not talking about. Someone called my shoes ugly. I'm talking about real hurt. And I have this command. 
that if I have felt that love from God, I have to give it unto him. I have to give it unto him. Not someone like him. Not someone in another city that I don't really know that has done the same things. I have to give it to him. It hurts me in my flesh to love others in this way. I have to take a cut to my pride. I have to put aside my pain, put aside my backbiting because I want revenge. Maybe you don't. But I do. But how can I take hold of the love of God? A love that brings joy and peace into my life, that brings salvation. How can I take part in that if I don't first show love to him? Many times, the reason we struggle with this agape love and giving it is because we haven't learned to show it. And the reason we struggle so much in other areas of our life, I'm still addicted to pills. I'm still addicted to pornography. I'm still addicted to drugs and alcohol. I'm still addicted to being angry. Why do I struggle with this? Because I haven't learned to show the love of God like he showed it to me. Why do I struggle to forgive? Because I can't show love. Why do, if you are ever in a moment of prayer and you can't seem to get past repentance, sometimes it's not because you haven't repented properly, but because you haven't forgiven properly. Our families hurt us and we wrestle with our flesh. We wrestle with getting offended. We wrestle with losing hope. Our families walk away from God. Our husbands despise wives. Our children despise parents. And we keep searching for deliverance in all of this and we get nowhere wanting more, wanting to gain peace, yet falling further and further and further away. We long for victory in our battles, in our fights, but we're not winning. We look at ourselves 10 years ago and realize, realize the same hatred is still in me. The same pain is still in me. And it's because so many times our victory, our miracle is tied to the agape love that we give to others. First John chapter 4, verse 8 says, He that loveth knoweth not God, for God is love. Or sorry, he that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. And then he goes down a little bit later and he says, Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed that the love of God, the love that God hath to us, God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. Because if we don't show to others the love, we are hindered in dwelling in him. That hindrance keeps us from fully leaning on him and letting him be the victor in our battle. And earlier at the beginning of the service, I read to you verse 7 that says, uh, for, uh, love is of God and everyone that is 
that loveth is born of God. But when you go to chapter 5, in verse number 4, it says, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. If I loveth someone else, I am born of God. And if I am born of God, I have victory. So if I am not loving others, and if I cannot give love, then I am not of him, and he cannot win the battle in my life. That's not Josh making something up. That's not me just giving you a clever idea. That's the word of God. It's something I have to deal with in my life. Hallelujah. Your victory through all of that hurt and all of that pain that comes from life. And if the church at large, if we can learn this principle, then the miracles we were told about that we are promised will finally start taking shape because we remembered to love those that hate me. Hallelujah. Because true agape love brings healing. It brings deliverance from the choices of yesterday. Will you stand with me? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do not withhold love because someone hurt you. Even if they should have known better. I know. Even if there's somewhere in this sanctuary, don't let that pain fester. But follow the example of your Lord who took the sting of a kiss from the one he called disciple. And yet he still died for him. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1 says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. And walk in love, as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering, a sacrifice to God, a sweet-smelling savor. If we are to be the church that God wants us to be from the very beginning, then we must bring that type of love into our home into our job, into this church. This is a love that changes people. How many of you are one because of a friendship? Think back to your first days. What kept you in church? Was it a billboard? Was it you passing by a building? No, it was love. It was that love that kept you. It was that love that brought you here this morning. And this is the love that changes those around us. That changes my cousin who has walked away from truth. This is that love. And I cannot fake it. You cannot fake agape love. It must be real. And therefore, if it's to be real in you, it has to come from Him. But when this is achieved, 
that revival can really happen again. And the only way Oh God. The only way for you to finally start taking hold of His love fully and completely is you must give it to others. And that must be, that means that I have to find a place and say, God forgive me. God forgive me for holding sin against them. So why don't we do that today? Why don't we come to this front? I know some of you have been in this truth a long time. And that is a testament to you. But I'm telling you now that there has to be a point in your prayer where you say, God, do not hold their sin against them. Not on my behalf. God, forgive me and forgive them. Oh, Lord Jesus. <laughs>